Good evening. Welcome to Nighttime. I'm Dave Wager, your host, and for the next half hour, hopefully we can spend time calmly talking about things that are important to talk about. I really don't like arguing with anybody. I believe very firmly there is a right and a wrong, and that we get that from God and His Word. And if you disagree with something that I'm talking about, you have the right to do that. Because I'm Dave, I'm not God. But I would invite you to go to God's Word and check it out and talk to God about it. As far as myself, let's let the Spirit deal with what I'm going through and allow God's Word to speak to my heart as well, inform and make me into somebody that I'm supposed to be. You see, God's Word is the ultimate authority in life, not, not what I say, not what I do, but what God says. So I encourage you always to go to God's Word. Now, I understand that people can help us and spur us on and make us think, and God can use people to do that. So hopefully this program is something that can do that in your life. And if so, I'm thankful. My name is Dave Wager. I'm here in the studios at Silver Birch Ranch on the campus of the Nicolay Bible Institute. We also have programs over at the Northwoods Retreat, about five miles south of our main campus here. We have a program called Foster Family Connect that you can check out, and many other podcasts like this that are on Relate365.com. Tonight, I want to share thoughts that I was having while I was reading in a book that I really like and that I've mentioned before on Nighttime, a book, a book by William Grinnell, a Puritan author who probably sat around a lot without screens in his face and thought about what the scriptures had to say. He wrote a book, which is one of my favorite books to read, called The Christian Incomplete Armor. Now, before you go order that book, you need to know that you better be proficient at King James English to read it because it's all written in Old English. There are some books that people have taken and modernized, and those might be a little easier to understand. The book I'm reading, The Christian in Complete Armor, I believe is about 1,300 pages. It's in three volumes. And I've been reading it for many years, and I'm not through with it yet. That doesn't mean I don't like it. It means that it's written in an old language that I have to pause a lot with and think things through. I happen to like meditating and thinking, though. So I stop often as I read and think about what William Grinnell is saying. I want to give some thoughts here to the war that takes place between Satan and God as William Grinnell talks about it a little bit. Starting in Psalm 62, verses 5 to 10. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress, I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory, my rock, my refuge is God. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Selah. Those of low estate are but a breath. 
Those of highest state are a delusion. In the balances they go up, they are together lighter than breath. Put no trust in extortion. Set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart on them. When you look at this passage, you begin to see how we position ourselves in the warfare that's taking place on a regular basis. Satan would love us to depend on something or somebody other than God. Because when our hope is fully on God, Satan has no hope. His only measure of success will be to get us away from listening to God somehow. He wants us to put our trust in our money, our health, our position in life. He wants us to put our hope and trust in our significance and circumstances of life, but not in God. He wants us to think that those who have money and power and position are better than we are. They're really not. They're the same people with the same problems, the same issues that you and I have. The wealthiest person in the world is still going to deal with loneliness and significance and security. The poorest person in the world is going to deal with loneliness, security, and significance. We deal with all the same issues no matter what our status in life is. The really important issues of life are important to everybody. Let me read this Psalm 62, 5-10 again and just make some comment. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. The psalmist begins immediately talking about how important it is to align our hope in the right place. Once again, if your hope is in anything other than God, you will be disappointed and you will be found to be wrong one day. God is the one. It's worthy of your trust. Nobody else. Verse 6, he is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory, my mighty rock, my refuge is God. Boy, if you have those few, first few verses down and you understand that and you live like that, you can go through this life and nothing will shake you. You will be sad, no doubt about it, because you will see the devastation of sin. You could be physically in pain, you could be physically hurt, I understand all that. But you will be successful in this life and in the next if God is your refuge. Verse 8, trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Selah. God is my refuge. He's yours tonight. Unless he's not. And if God isn't your refuge, what or who is? And how's that working for you? Our country has a lot of people who suffer from anxiety. I'm telling you, if God is your refuge, you don't need to be anxious about anything. You just go to him and talk to him and realize that he can change any circumstance right now. That he loves you. Verse 9 changes a little bit. There's a contrast here of those who don't have God as their refuge. It says, those of low estate are but a breath. Those of high estate are a delusion. 
In the balances they go up, they are together lighter than breath. Those who don't have much in this life, they're but a breath anyway, and those who have a lot, they're a delusion. Put no trust in extortion. Set no vain hope on robbery. If riches do increase, if they do, don't set your heart on them. Why? Because riches are not trustworthy. They can't really give you what you're really looking for. Well, they can give you falsely what you're looking for. If I have a lot of money, I can go places, and people like me for a while, just like the prodigal son. I can go places, I can spend the money, I can make people feel good for a moment, but when I run out of the money, that's the end of it. There's temporary pleasures. They can't satisfy. Isaiah 40, 6-8 talks about the word of God that stands forever. That is what we need to know is that the things that are permanent in life are the things that are also bringing us the significance and the security that we want. Those who are rich and those who are poor need the same source of security. Isaiah 46 to 8, a voice says, cry. And I said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our Lord will stand forever. It's interesting as we look at this to see that there's a beauty in life. The grass for a while is beautiful, but just for a while. When I try and make that which is temporary permanent, I get frustrated. I can't make things that are supposed to be temporary permanent. I could be enjoying a good meal with my family. But that good meal will end, and I'll need to do dishes and clean up things and do things so that we can eat again someday. I love the meal to go on forever. It tastes good. I want to keep eating. I want that flavor in my mouth, the satisfaction that comes from that fine dining experience. But it will stop. God doesn't mean for me not to enjoy that moment. But he does mean for me to understand that that moment is not where I find my satisfaction in life. Those who think that they have to continually work on this temporal stuff to find satisfaction in life get involved in all kinds of things they shouldn't be involved in. Get drug abuse and sexual addictions and and food addictions because they're craving that temporal satisfaction to be something that's there all the time. No, God made it so that we can be very satisfied with some of the temporal things that he's given to us. But they're temporary. We need to enjoy them with that focus in mind and know that the only permanent satisfaction comes from God. All flesh is grass. William Grinnell says this, So that here we see what a weak creature man is, not only weaker than angels, as they are spirit and he is flesh, put in some sense beneath the beasts, as the flesh of man is frailer than the 
flesh of the beasts. Therefore the Spirit of God compares man to grass, which soon withers, and is goodliness to the flower of the field. Isaiah 46, yea, he is called vanity. Men of low degree are vanity, and men of high degree are a lie. Psalm 62, 9, both alike vain. Only the rich and the great man's vanity is covered with honor and wealth, which are here called a lie because they are not what they seem, and so worse than plain vanity, which is known to be so and deceives not. We have to understand that the soul and the flesh, they feed differently. My soul cannot feed off of the things that the flesh would like to feed off of. The flesh is temporal, and the flesh often feeds off the temporal, but my soul is eternal, and it can only be fed with eternal things. When I start trying to feed my soul with the flesh, with the temporal, there's total dissatisfaction that takes place, because the soul cannot be fed with the temporal. William Grinnell says, Thy soul is the salt that keeps thee sweet, or else thou wouldst stink above the ground. <laughs> All nations there we find made of the same blood. In two things all are alike. We come in and go out of the world alike. As one is not made of finer earth, so not resolved to pure dust. The soul is the salt that keeps thee sweet, or else thou wouldst stink above the ground. It is by the beauty that thou pridest in. Flesh is grass. The beauty is vanity, vanity of vanities. Flesh is satisfied with a steak dinner. Then it's gone, and we long for it to remain. Long for significance and security that comes from eating a good meal. But that good meal cannot supply that. Once again, the great balance needs to be there. We can be thankful for that good meal. We can enjoy the good meal while we're eating it and while we're in the fellowship of those around that table. That's a good thing. But we need to understand that that's a temporal thing that that will come and that will go. And then we can be healthy because we're looking at life the way it really is rather than looking at it the way we want it to be. William Grinnell goes on to say, some put their trust in flesh, like presidents or governors or kings. Yet I could list a long list of those who used to be in those positions who are covered in dirt and today stand in the same before a holy God. Psalm 146.3 says, Put not your trust in princes. Is man but flesh? Then fear him not. This was David's resolve, actually, in Psalm 56.4. I will not fear what flesh can do unto me. Oftentimes, I don't think I distinguish between flesh and spirit. I just kind of live my life and they kind of blend together. 
But William Grinnell, as he's talking, is talking about how we do distinguish, how we need to distinguish between the two. Oh, it's not so that we hate everything of the flesh. I mean, at one point Solomon called the flesh all vanity. See, the flesh is something that we can enjoy in the moment. We can, and God gives it to us to enjoy in the moment. The, the promised land that he wants us to have, the, the land flowing with milk and honey, he gives that to us. But it's temporary, and that's what we need to see. And what we really long for is something that's not temporary. And that's my picture of eternity with God. Something that will never end, something that will never be taken away. The great significance and the great security that comes from being a child of God that will stay with me for eternity, which is forever and forever, which really I cannot even grasp in my mind. I wish that I could. Because I think if I could grasp eternity today in my mind, I would live a little different than I do. There will be things that happen in eternity that will certainly amaze and awe us forever. But only God knows what they are. Why would I allow something that would give me 10 minutes of pleasure down here on earth disturb what would be available for eternity? That would be hard to grasp. William Grinnell says, it is the first lesson thou learnest. If a Christian, to deny thyself, to take up thy cross, and to follow thy master, so that the enemy comes too late. Thou hast no life to lose, because thou hast given it already to Christ. Nor can man take away what without God's leave. William Grinnell says, you know, once you become a believer and you understand this, Satan has limited tools to go against you. If he can make you think you're missing out because of some circumstance or some comfort or some meal that you don't have. If that's where you have found your satisfaction in life, well, then he can keep using it against you. But when you find your satisfaction in God alone, Satan has his limited arsenal at that point. He doesn't have that much to go after you on. Those who have addictions of some sort, whatever they are, Satan can keep tempting them with those. He can keep dangling them in front of them. They keep thinking that the next time they have that cigarette or the next alcoholic beverage or the next pornography site will satisfy them. They haven't learned yet that there is no permanent satisfaction in any of those things. That they have to keep going back to it over and over and over again, and there is no satisfaction long term. In fact, the only satisfaction is trying to make sure it's always available. So they start to wonder how they can make whatever they're addicted to always available. And really, they, start, they begin to manipulate the, the circumstances in their life so that they can try and find this satisfaction. Those who have fed their soul, those who understand that things are temporary on this earth and they don't find permanent satisfaction in them, they don't do that. They can enjoy a good meal today for what the good meal is about and realize that tomorrow they may only have 
porridge. I know some of you are saying porridge is good stuff. It's all perspective for all of us. God counts himself, William Grinnell says, God counts himself reproached when his children fear a sorry man. Therefore, we are bid, sanctify the Lord and do not fear the fear. Now, if thou wouldst not fear man, who is but flesh and labor. How do you do that? How do you get to the point where you fear the right thing? Well, fearing God is the beginning of wisdom, and fearing God is both fearing God like you and I might understand the word fear, but also respecting so much the fact that he is God that whatever he says we listen to. That's the beginning of wisdom is to understand that God is God. And if we don't understand that God is God, we can never be one who's wise. We can never be one who puts the priorities of life where they belong. We need to be those who understand that God alone is God and put our trust and our hope in him. We read his word. We make that a priority. We adjust our lives according to what God has said. William Grinnell says we should do this. We should mortify our own flesh. Flesh only fears flesh when the soul degenerates into carnal desires and desires. No wonder he falls into carnal fears. Have a care, Christian. Thou bringest not thyself into bondage. Mortify thy own flesh. I think we need to practice saying no to our earthly desires. I think we have to acknowledge things that are true. We need to say things to God and maybe to others. And we're thankful for a great meal, but we understand that great meal is from the hand of God. Now all of a sudden we've, we've satisfied our soul with the acknowledgement, knowing that God is the ultimate provider. We're not saying that the circumstance in life is what gives us provision. We're not saying that the circumstance in life is what we worship. We're saying God is who we worship, and we're thankful to him for this provision. Not only that, I always ask the students in the Nicolay Bible Institute to spend time saying no to their flesh, to put some kind of treat where they see it every day, where they can pick it up, where they can smell it, where they can desire it, and then put it down and don't eat it. I think we need to understand in life how to mortify the flesh. It's not the flesh that tells us what to do, it's the mind. It's the Holy Spirit. Now, if you do that and you think you're better than somebody else, you've missed the whole point. Nobody's better than anybody else. We're all sinful people. But we need to learn that the flesh is not the one that's in charge that God is. We need to set faith against flesh. Faith fixes the heart. And a fixed heart is not readily afraid, according to Grinnell. Is a man but flesh... Comfort thyself, Christian, with this, that thou art flesh, so thy heavenly Father knows it and considers thee for it. When we fail, sometimes we, we feel pretty badly. We feel guilty. We need to understand that God knows that we are flesh, that we are created as those who are flesh. We're headed toward a time where this flesh stays here, where all the pulls and 
desires and evils that this fleshly body craves. That'll be over. This body will just go back to dirt. The power that this body once had, the power and authority that this body once had, will be over. Because we'll be in eternity with the one who gives us eternal life. That is, unless you're not in God's family, if you have never placed your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior, then the flesh is all you've got. What you will find in life is that you will continually go to one area or another to try and find satisfaction, and it'll be there for moments, but then it will escape you and you'll have to keep going back for more. In points of affliction, William Grinnell says, Psalm 103.14, He knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. Not like some unskillful empiric who has but one receipt for all, strong or weak, young or old, but as a wise physician considers his patience and then writes his bill. Men and devils are but God's apocrythes. They make not our psychic, but they give what God prescribes. Balaam loved Balak's fee well enough, but could not go a hair's breadth beyond God's commission. Indeed, God is not so choice with the wicked. Hath he smitten him as he smote those that smote him? In a saint's cup the poison of affliction is corrected. Not so in the wicked's. And therefore, what is medicine to the one who is ruined to the other? We need to understand in affliction that God is still the one working through those circumstances. We need to understand in our duty that God is the one who guides us in that. That Satan would be opposing us. And what can we expect if we are being opposed by the forces of evil? We need to make sure that our focus is where it belongs. William Grinnell said he knows that we are flesh and therefore pities and accepts thy weak service. Yea, he makes apologies for thee. The spirit is willing, saith Christ, but the flesh is weak. I see that in my life often. I want to do what's right. I want to seek God. I want to follow him. But the flesh is so strong sometimes. So I need to practice saying no to it. Oh, it doesn't mean that I don't enjoy a good meal. It doesn't mean that I don't enjoy a, a nice cup of coffee in the morning and thank God for it. It means that I don't find my ultimate satisfaction in that. Once again, Satan on the loose, he uses temptations to try and get us. But he uses those temptations usually wrapped in the, in the flesh. There are two sorts of men the Christian wrestles with, according to William Grinnell, good men and bad men. Satan strikes in both. <laughs> the Christian wrestles with good men. Many a sharp conflict there has been between saint and saint scuffling in the dark through misunderstanding of truth in each other. Abraham and Lot at strife. Aaron and Miriam 
jostled with Moses for the wall. Till God interposed and ended the quarrel by his immediate stroke on Miriam. The apostles, even in the presence of their master, were at high words contesting who should be the greatest. The flesh so often takes over. Even though we know the truth, even though we know that the flesh is doing what it shouldn't be doing, somehow we put it in a prominent place. I need to understand that so that I can say no to my flesh, and I need to put the flesh where it belongs. We can be people who enjoy those temporary pleasures that God meant for us to enjoy. But don't allow the flesh to start demanding those things in order for us to be okay. Because that demand will cause pain. God alone can, can satisfy the soul. And as the soul is satisfied, the human can be satisfied with porridge or a five-course meal. Well, I'm Dave Wager here in the studios at Silver Birch Ranch on the campus of the Nicolay Bible Institute. This is a program we call Nighttime. Thanks for listening. Good night for now.